0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: On MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy lotridge Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So is your IRA made up of CDs, LLCs, or invested in the NASDAQ? Do you pay PMI on your FHA loan? So what do all these acronyms mean? Our CFAs, will let you know, and also take your PFQ, your personal finance questions. Oh, good one. Give us a call this morning. The phone number is 1- one 877- <laughs> mpb ring The phone number is 877-672-7464 or email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning to you both. Happy New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year. Good morning, Kevin. Hope that you both had a good holiday break. Um, um, I did. I did. I was in the cold and frozen north for a while, so it was a, it did feel like Christmas, but I was happy <laughs> to get back to warm Mississippi.
2: No, I had a very uh, low-key holiday, and, um, and I'm trying to think of a way to turn it into an acronym, but maybe I should have prepared that <laughs> ahead of time. Uh, I did well. I, I bought an air fryer. Uh, my mother sent me a check for Christmas, oh. so I bought an air fryer.
1: So tried it out. What have you fried? Uh, chicken so far. That's, uh, okay. okay. Uh, what else? Can't get what else? What else? Yeah, I, is, I mean, what I, else do you need to fry, really? I bought a it's chopped up whole chicken, you know, because yeah. it recommended bone-in chicken, and I usually don't use that. So anyway, the, the breasts, well, these were huge. I mean.
0: Yeah. You know, we talk about that uh, long ago. Um, they weren't that large. Yeah. And so that tells you um, what they're doing to our chickens these days. It makes you wonder what it does to us. Yes,
1: yeah, so uh, the that it came out just slightly undercooked, so I've got to kind of uh, fiddle, fiddle around with Ooh. the uh, with the timing.
0: Mm. But uh, what about the crunch?
1: It, it was good. Uh, the other thing was I, I need to spice up my flour mixture that I coated them in because there was a little, you know, but like I say for the first, uh,
2: first time through. The man, well, the man orders spicy, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Well, speaking <laughs> of spicy,
0: um, we've, we've been converted to the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh, oh so, my I like god. The rest Regular one.
1: I do like the regular ones. I, I one. do the
2: plain one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're great. Yeah, it's, it's a the big The chicken sandwich wars of 2019 yes. well,
1: continue. Compared to some of the other chains, I think that it's a bigger piece of chicken on there. So I, I really enjoy that. And I like the bun as well. So, uh, one other thing on my air fryer that I'm interested in trying is uh, air fried chickpeas.
2: Now, oh, that why sounds would interesting. You do that to chickpeas? <laughs> did, did you think they were similar to chicken? Oh, I see. I've not had them <laughs> yet. I, well, no, I like hummus. I, that's the way I eat. my chickpeas is usually mashed up. But I just no, I don't I've know. Had, it, I've it had sounded, like crispy fried yeah. chicken. I mean, it's a it's a little snack. I thought that sounded You're pretty not gonna good. You're not going to make a whole meal out of it, Nancy. Well, you could, because it's chickpeas. I mean, Well, that yeah, salt them up uh, there. Yeah, really? You know, maybe. All right. It'd be a lot of chickpeas. Hey, we have got a early caller on the line. What is their opinion on chickpeas versus chicken <laughs> sandwiches?
1: Let's hear it. Uh, we've got Britt from Vicksburg. Uh, good morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. make a whole
3: meal out of it, Nancy. Well, you could, because it's chickpeas.
4: Ah. Well, you well, need to have your radio turned down, please, right. so you can talk
3: to us on the air.
1: A lot of chickpeas. Hey, we have got a early call-up. All right, uh, Britt, if you would, have your radio turned down. We do have a slight delay, and so in order for us to talk to you, you need to have your radio turned down. And I
2: really don't want to it listen very, to myself. very interesting to the- be reminded of what we just said. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh,
1: you can hear through the phone, and that way we won't have the echo. So do we want to give him another shot? Yeah, okay. Uh, so, Britt, are you on the air with us?
5: I am. Uh, Thank you very much for taking my call. I'd like to ask uh, the panel if they think the Iranian political crisis will have a positive impact on American oil stocks, particularly if this situation is extended. Would this be a good time then to invest in American energy uh, because of the tumult in the Middle East? I'll now... um, Turn on the radio, turn off my phone so I can hear you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call.
0: Well, we've already seen um, oil prices spike. And uh, they're, I think, about sixty-three, sixty-four dollars a barrel right now. They were hovering in the fifties. The expectation is that we will um, head up towards seventy fairly quickly. We don't think this situation is going to be resolved quickly. We think there's going to be a lot of back and forth, and because Iran um, can have such an impact on uh, shipping of oil, we think we're going to be seeing elevated oil prices for a while. So yes, um, U.S. oil stocks. Will certainly benefit.
2: There are so many interesting things going on in that one question. Um, one, I mean, you're talking about oil company stocks individually. So, of course, if any, obviously the Middle East is a very important producer of oil uh, for most of the world. Uh, but interestingly, the United States is, in some senses, energy independent. Um, that being said, oil is a global commodity. And so the rising price in one place is going to mean it. Rises in others. Uh, Of course, it's only going to rise. Iran only supplies oil to fairly limited uh, trading partners. But of course, if there's any disruption in the region or they are provoking disruptions in other folks' supplies, um, you know, classically shutting off the Strait of Hormuz, uh, where a lot of oil is shipped there every day, that that could uh, cause problems elsewhere. And as far as individual companies, yes, they benefit from rising oil prices. Of course, if it's viewed as a temporary rise of people like, oh, you know, of course prices went up today, but, you know, next year they're going to be back lower. Um, so if it's only viewed as a temporary rise, that's not going to be hugely beneficial to companies because we think, OK, that's great. Exxon is going to make but a few more dollars this, this quarter. this doesn't
0: look like it's going to be temporary. This looks like we're going to be kind of jabbing at each other for a while. And so that's why we think we're going to be looking at elevated prices, which also that's brings absolute. up the other issue is this is shipping. And so with elevated oil prices, that means we're going to have rising prices overall.
1: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Today we're going to explain some of the uh, investing terms, financial-related terms and abbreviations that you might uh, have heard that might not be familiar with. If you have a question for us or a personal finance question of any sort, you can give us a call today at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464 or email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So our first um, abbreviation, acronym, as it were, is EPS, earnings per share. First of all, uh, what is that and, and why is that important to uh, to look at?
0: Well, earnings um, just is going to be the net income showing up on financial statements, a profit and loss or an income statement. The money that a
2: company makes after their expenses.
0: Exactly. And that's what you're really paying attention to. Right. You want them to be making uh, more than what they're spending to produce their products. And you just take that number and divide it by the number of shares outstanding and that is the the amount that can be awarded to each shareholder if. If you think of it that way, mm-hmm. and we want to see rising earnings per share. We want to look at not just what it is today, but what was it last year, and is it going up, and how quickly is it going up, and what are things that are impacting the earnings, you know, on a temporary basis, mm-hmm. you know, some big event, temporary that we, or long term, exactly. Um, so earnings, it's all about you're buying a share of earnings, and so you pay a lot of attention to that.
2: And and I will say this is one of the most looked at. Most Discussed uh, ratios. We call them financial ratios, investing ratios, whatever you want to call it. Um, Because it is, you know, if you buy stocks, you are buying ownership of a company. You own companies because you want them to make money. Earnings is the money they make, and your share is your slice of it. So, you know, uh, companies are often quoted in not only a dollar price, but also what. Multiple of their earnings is that. And which is called what? The earnings per share, price to earnings ratio? The PE ratio. (laughs) The PE ratio. Price to
0: (laughs) earnings. So that's the E in the PE ratio. And then we have something called the PEG ratio, which is the price to earnings
1: growth. growth. So I guess two reasons why your earnings per share might go up would be the company has become more efficient. In they're they're doing making it.
0: they're making more money. They're right. either selling more stuff, they're or, making
2: more monies or having fewer shares,
0: or that well that's the good thing that's happened the last few years. Or
2: they're cutting their expenses. Yep. So they would buy shares back from shareholders? Is that how you... Yes. That's one of the ways that a company can return money to shareholders. Because part of the goal of investing, of buying a company, is that you get some money out of it. And part of that is uh, they can pay you dividends. They say, okay, yeah, we had a lot of money left over this quarter. We're just going to mail a check to everybody. Or they can say, you know what, the price is looking pretty attractive. We're just going to buy shares, and if you want to sell your shares back to us, then, then that's fine, we'll do that.
0: And what we've seen over the last couple of years, when we had the big tax cut for corporations, um, we saw a little bit of capital investment right at first, but what we saw more than anything was a lot of buying back shares. Um, They were doing that. They had more money to do that. They also had access to cheaper money by borrowing and buying back their shares. And so record buybacks the last couple of years.
1: All right, let's go ahead and we'll take our first break today. We're talking about investing terms that you might have heard and helping you understand what they mean. We also, as always, are looking for your personal finance questions. So you can give us a call this morning if you want to join our conversation. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So what's the difference between Fannie Mae, which is the Federal National Mortgage Association, and Freddie Mac, the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. We'll talk about those terms and more after this break, so stay tuned. As part of the show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen again. Also, you can download the MPB public media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone whenever you want. All of the MPB Think Radio shows on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Before the break, we brought up Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They are government sponsored enterprises. GSE GSEs. There's another one for us. <laughs> uh, those are private companies sponsored by the government in the U.S. home mortgage industry. Though they compete, they're separate companies, they do have the same business model with that that they buy mortgages on the secondary mortgage market, pool the loans together, and sell them to investors as mortgage-backed securities in the open market. The main Very good. That's <laughs> all of it right there. <laughs> that, that's a good producer. Yeah. Me now to Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Making me look smart. Uh, the main difference between Fannie and Freddie comes down to who they buy mortgages from. Fannie Mae mostly buys mortgage loans from commercial banks, while Freddie Mac mostly buys them from smaller banks that are called thrift banks. So, very good. Uh, We've got a caller on the line. Why don't we say good morning to Harry, who's called in from on the road today. Good morning, Harry. Go ahead.
5: Good morning. I was wondering about, I've got a lot of Lockheed Martin stock, retiree, and we're pooling my, my funds into a Vanguard account, just kind of consolidating a few IRAs, a few 401Ks. I've got a lot of Lockheed Martin, as I said, and I was wondering if we have a change in the presidency next year, which, by the way, I hope we do, but it may not be good for my stock because I'm just wondering with Lockheed Martin being, you know, big government, uh, quasi government uh, contracts, a lot of military, uh, do you think I should make a move with my Lockheed Martin stocks?
0: And sell. So, did you work for Lockheed Martin? Is that why you have so many shares? I did. I'm a retiree. Okay. And so I'm assuming you have a very low cost basis in there, but is it in a a tax deferred account?
5: It is. Uh, Well, it's not a Roth. It's a 401k tax deferred now.
0: All right. Because it's tax deferred, we don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, if you sell shares, you're going to have a capital gains and pay tax on it. Um, I would say over this year, um, how many shares are we talking about? I'm being nosy here.
5: Oh, well, I I worked there uh, 13 years. So, you know, I've It's um, it makes up the bulk, the the, you know because you also you're buying Mm -hmm. uh, you can spend three percent you know and they would give you Mm -hmm. six percent in your savings so most I I think all of that was uh, stock Mm -hmm. and then we invested and so I'm heavy.
2: I'm heavy okay, in it. Okay, well, I, I, what I would say is, you know, having a single stock as a large part of your portfolio, particularly when you are no longer working there, that's the big risk. Um, it's 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 a little bit removed from just the risk that, oh, does Lockheed Martin not make money for the next two or three years? Your risk is that it's just such a big part of your portfolio. That if anything that happens to the stock is has an outsized impact on you, um, and so you do want to reduce that sum um, there's no hard and fast guidelines but i you know I'm, I'm shocked when i see things over 20% of someone's portfolio particularly for a retiree um, Usually I'd like to say five to ten percent for an individual stock, um, especially when you're you're no longer you know adding money to your investments. Is a particularly large amount.
0: I would agree with that. Uh, and again, as Ryder pointed out, now that you're retired, you are no longer an insider of that company, so you don't really know what's going on as much. And but the other thing that hits me is because we're in this um, unusual situation where. Lockheed Martin might benefit because of uh, military activity, maybe yep. what you want to do is plan to start pairing it back according to his percentages over this year and just gradually sell pieces, you know, every month until you get it down within that 5 to 10% range.
5: Gotcha. May um, I ask one more question,
2: please? Uh, absolutely.
5: When do, is it 70 and one half age? <laughs> 70 and a half when I, when I must start uh, withdrawing some of my 401k? <sighs>
2: Gosh, this used to be my favorite thing to talk about because 70 and a half was such a fun number and everybody hated it. Uh, but no, it's now 72. And I actually see our next caller has some questions about the very act that made this law. It's now 72. The year in which you reach 72 is when you must begin withdrawing from your IRAs, 401k, um, deferred, tax deferred type accounts.
0: Unless you have already started drawing under the 70 and a half, you have to stick with that role.
2: Right.
5: Thank you guys Very much
2: All right Yeah And and let me just Throw some extra Comments in About Lockheed Martin Of course You know Military contractor That's their big thing uh, But it, a lot of Government contractors Have a tendency To keep making money Kind of regardless Of the situation Obviously if they're not They, they have one they, big customer not, They have one big customer And they've been Very good At insinuating Themselves into The economies Of every state um, And so the, Everybody has an interest In uh, sending Lockheed Martin Some money But since we are on these fun acronyms, their EPS over the TTM was $20.90, that's earnings per share of their trailing 12 months which makes their P.E. currently uh, 19.77. Pretty much in line with the market. Uh, we have all sorts of numbers. we got their P.B., P.C., PFCF. We've got debt to E.Q. We've got um, E.P.S. Q.O.Q. You know, what do you want? I mean, I've, well, got, I've which, got numbers. Which brings back. I've got my ROAs, my ROIs. I mean, what do you want? If you want to be an
0: investor, you need to understand financial statements.
2: Oh, we've even got an ATR. I have to look that one up. Let's go
1: to the. Uh, (laughs) P-H-O-N-E Kent's on the line from Mobile Good morning, Kent You're on the air with
2: us
3: Uh, Thank you uh, for taking my call. I'm really impressed with your knowledge of the alphabet there. (laughs) Thank Uh, you so
2: much. I've worked on it for several years.
3: (laughs) I bet. Well, you've kind of answered my question already because uh, my wife turned 70 this last November Mm -hmm. and was concerned that she was going to have to start taking out of her uh, retirement this
2: year. IRA?
3: Yeah, IRA. But now she can wait until the following year. Is that
0: correct?
2: When does yes. this kick in with cuz this is it's, the Secure Act. So it start which is another great acu- acronym which I think is recursive. I don't think so, so it's it's for um so it starts for tax year 2020 so this year. So uh, again like Nancy said if you already started uh you're in it. Uh but uh so she will be if she turned you said she turned 70 this past year. In November. In November. So she would, she would have turned 70 and a half this year and of course turned 71 this year. Uh, She will turn 72 next year. So 2021, that will be her start date. Um, That's, that's one, uh, one one thing to consider. People are always like, I I know, I listened to how you phrase that. You said she will, oh no, she will have to take, we were concerned she will have to take it. And, And that's a real thing. People are sometimes, you know, especially, if you have a large amount of tax-deferred money, and maybe you don't need the extra income, you're not already taking withdrawals, when you take that money out, because it is tax-deferred, you have to pay income tax on it, because that is income. I mean, this, this is the whole point. The IRS has, has so generously uh, allowed you to that tax break your whole life, and now this is when they come back and get their cut. Um, But if you think about it, the longer you delay it, the larger that account might get and the more your withdrawals might need to be. So for some people, obviously, you know, you are a year off from starting these withdrawals. But for some folks who are many years off from those withdrawals. Putting it off and just putting it off further and further is not necessarily uh, the best plan. Um, You know, sometimes it does make sense to pay a little bit of tax now so that you can avoid a lot more tax later. Um, So if you do have that on the horizon, uh, you know, it's it's best to kind of look at that situation holistically. Talk to somebody who can kind of run some numbers and see if you might benefit from uh, from taking out a little bit extra early
3: okay well she uh um excuse me she we won't need the income until then, and so does she have to take it starting in january of twenty one or can she just wait until the end of the year
2: oh, she has until december thirty first
3: twenty twenty one okay <laughs> so it could be a birthday present
2: absolutely absolutely.
3: All okay. Right. Well, but, that answered my question. That was what I was concerned about. 2021 will be the date that uh, she'll be required to take it. Um, That's correct. And, and so she'll she'll be fine with that. Okay. Well, thank you very much for answering my question.
1: All right, Ken, thanks for your call. Uh, the SECURE Act, setting up – I'm sorry, setting every, every community up for retirement enhancement. That is an insane – they, w- they really tried yeah. too hard That's there. That's a stretch. Plus, they had to stick the F for four in there, so it's the secure. F- okay, S- secure anyway. It. It's <laughs> Got French. another caller to get to. And Susan's on the line from Vicksburg. Good morning, Susan. Go ahead, please.
5: Um, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for this show. I, I really enjoy it. Thank you. Um, I, uh, to extend more about the information from the last caller, um, if, I'm not, if I'm self-employed and I'm going to be working past 72, can I wait to start drawing out the IRAs when I do totally retire? Because I don't need the money right now.
0: I I don't think you can. I think if um, as long as you hit that date, what happens with a lot of people, if you're working, you're contributing to a plan, but then you're Mm -hmm. also having to do a distribution.
2: Yeah. Um, So
0: I'm I'm assuming that's still how it's going to work under this new... um, Timeline.
2: Yeah, I, I will say, depending on the type of account you have, so there's you could have just a traditional IRA, you could have a SEP IRA, you could have a, a solo 401k of some sort. Um, there are slightly different rules, or there have been slightly different rules, and it is uh, too. This act was passed kind of at the last week of last year, and it is a little too early for us to know all the details right now. Um, but in general, yes you you can you can now one good thing. Uh, from the SECURE Act is you can continue to contribute to even just a personal IRA um, Mm -hmm. beyond age 70 and a half. Uh, You still, but if you do that, like Nancy said, you still do have to take those minimum withdrawals. So it's just kind of a combination of it. And you can't net them against each other either.
5: Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: All right, Susan, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're demystifying some uh, um, uh, uh, acronyms that go along with personal finance this morning. Also looking for your personal finance questions. I've had some good ones here so far today. If you'd like to join in, give us a call at one 877 Ring. It's one 672 7464 or email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Before our next break, though, here are a couple of related ones. We've got DJIA the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, Standard & Poor's 500, the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, and NASDAQ, the National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. How are those related and how are they different?
0: Well, the first two are stock indexes, and it's a way for us to measure performance. How is the overall market doing? The Dow Jones Industrial Average is the one that is is always prominent on the news, but it's a very Simple index. It's been around for a long time and it's what we call a price weighted index. And they just took 30 stocks. They started off with 30. And that changes through the years because, you know, some companies disappear, some we add to it. Um, but the price per share determines the impact in the index. So right now, I think it's IBM. It has been IBM for a long time is the one that has the most impact on the Dow. So whatever IBM does, that's going to push markets and make it look like. A bigger deal than maybe it is. The S&P 500 is a better measure because it is a larger number, 500 or 501, uh, depending. And so you have a broader index, and it is market weighted, meaning it is weighted based on the size of the companies, not the price per share, which is a really crazy number to look at. So we tend to look at the S&P 500. The other two that you're talking about, the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ. Those are actually exchanges, places. Um, sometimes not physical places. NASDAQ is not a physical place, but where shares change hands.
2: It's a it's a server farm in Weehawken. <laughs> <laughs> so the S and P
1: 500 sometimes has 501. Yes. That's like the Big Ten having 11 teams yes. in football. I'm, yes. I'm not, or Black Friday yeah. sales and, going on. And
2: we've talked about the Brown Black Friday sales.
0: And here again, uh, they are monitoring this list because sometimes, oh, this company is has fallen on hard times. We're going to kick that one off, and we're going to add Take them one them while they're down. To Way to go, S&P. And any time a company gets added to one of these indexes, their price is going to automatically go up because all of those managers who have to track those indexes have to to buy them
1: all right we are talking about some of the abbreviations connected to personal finance this morning and looking for your personal finance questions it's time for another break you can give us a call if you want to join in this morning the phone number is one mpb ring it's 1-877-672-7464 or you can email the show send it to money at mpbonline.org we'll be back with more of the show after this Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy lotridge Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both CFAs, chartered financial analysts. Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Uh, In just a few minutes, we hope to talk about some of the titles that money advisors or managers can have and what they mean, but we've got a couple calls on the line. Great to ring in the new year with so many listener calls. We're going to start again in Greenwood.
4: Troy's on the line. Good morning, Troy. Go ahead. Good morning. Really appreciate you all's program. Thank, Thank you. I got a question for you. Um, my wife and I. Um, she's fifty three. I'm fifty six, and uh, we are in the, invested in the state retirement program. And we, we, the AIG. We didn't go with the Pers. We went with the uh, uh,
2: AIG. Okay. Yeah. You familiar with that? I'm familiar with what you're talking about.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, we we did fairly well because we went aggressive. Uh huh. Ever since we've been in it, now we're thinking about pulling back, but also we thinking about, uh, it's a possibility we might want to retire early. Mm-hmm. Would you all advise that, uh...
2: Yeah. So let me just back up a little bit and explain, because I know we always have a lot of, uh, state employees who, who call in have questions, email us. Um, and so most state employees are covered under PERS, another great acronym, public employee retirement system of Mississippi. Uh, every state has a PERS. Don't feel too special. Um, and that is a pension system. It basically guarantees a benefit to workers. If you work, you know, a certain number of years for the state, uh, What uh, Troy is talking about is the ORP, the Optional Retirement Plan. Uh, When you sign up for PERS, your first time, you have one chance to do this. You can opt out of the PERS system, and you can have... Um, your Because you, The employee Puts in about Nine or ten percent I forgot we had The The PERS um, PERS Head of PERS On discussing that Just the other day But You can put Nine or ten percent Of your own paycheck That's mandatory And your uh, Employer Matches uh, Fifteen or Sixteen percent It's a total Of you know Around a quarter Of your income Going into this account uh, And of course If it goes into PERS It is going to into a pension It is not just money That is there for you To reach and grab um, If it is going into ORP, if you opt out of the pension, if you opt out of the guaranteed benefits, then that money just goes into account, just like a 401k type account for you. Um, And I am not recommending anyone out there do either option right now, but that is what we're talking about. And so you've probably put in a large amount of money into this account, and it looks like a very large amount of money. Um, uh, I'm not sure. How long have you been working for the state?
4: It's been over 20 years. Over 20 uh, years?
2: yeah, about yeah. 25, 26. That's awesome. So, I mean, you're and, and like you said, if you've been investing aggressively, particularly these past ten years, uh, you've right. probably yeah, really you've done really well. And so, uh, you're probably looking at a pretty good account size. And what I would say is your ability to and here's the thing: I'm a huge fan of retiring early. I mean, that's the whole point of working hard and saving a lot of money, is so that you can stop working hard and stop right. saving a lot of money. And so, you may have reached that point. You you hope you've reached that point. I hope you've reached that point. Um, but that calculation. Is gonna you're gonna need to sit down uh, either with a good head for the numbers and a good spreadsheet, or uh, somebody who can run those numbers for you and say, okay, how much are you going to need uh, every month? And and what does retirement mean? Does it mean you totally stop working and just like live in the Bahamas? Right. Or you know are you gonna work part time? Maybe you need a little extra income to supplement what you're withdrawing from your account. You know what you're making. Um, but there's a lot of questions there, and it's basically gonna say like. How big are these accounts? How much money can they actually sustainably generate for you? That's always the well, question.
4: Can, can I share something else with you yeah, go for in it. regards to yeah, that? absolutely. Um, um, well, well, a couple of things. I want to know, is it time now to put it back into low? Ah, uh, uh,
2: really? yep. Okay. And, and, and,
4: and also, we're, we're looking at uh, if we were to do this, we would still work. Uh, okay. We would get through other things. In fact, we would even consider opening opening our own business. I, I guess we want to do it while we're still healthy and able to move around well and enjoy it because uh, when we look at 72 or 71, um, that's just...
2: That's, a, that's a long way away. You're still a young that's man, a long, Troy.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I'm worried about you know, you know you got health issues that can come up. There are a lot of things that can come up when you're in your seventies, and I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, I, I feel comfortable where we are, as far as financially. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about just uh you know taking that back and doing something else. The economy is good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to get. See what you all uh, recommend, absolutely. or at least see your opinion.
2: Right, absolutely. Um, and what I'll say about you know, is, you know, you've been aggressive. Is it time to kind of dial back that risk? That decision is based largely not on. Where are stocks right now? What have stocks done for the past few years? That decision is going to be based largely on um, what risk can you afford and uh, what risk do you need to afford. Um, so, particularly if you're looking at you know leaving very stable employment um, and possibly starting your own business, which you know we're very confident in ourselves, but that's a risk well, thing to do. Health insurance is an issue. Health and, yeah, that's going to be an issue for you. So you're going to need you're going to need some of this money. Um, if if you're going to be needing some of this money, then you do need to be more conservative. Um, investing okay. aggressively is not the place where you put money that you're going to need money uh, that you're going to need for the next few years. And okay. if some of this money is money that you're going to need in the next few years, then that needs to be. Much more conservative, um, but but don't go all the way to the other oh, side, no, Troy. No, not at um, all. It's a balance. Because, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, absolutely. It's
0: lifetime money. But as as writers said, um, if you're going to start depending on this before much longer, you do need to introduce more stable funds. Yeah, but
4: well, what about precious metals? Do you all like that? Do no, like that?
2: not particularly. No. No, not no. not advised.
4: Okay, well, that was a quick answer. All <laughs> right, well, I appreciate you all, and, and I appreciate the service that you all
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Troy, for the call. Let's uh, move on next. Elizabeth has called in from Memphis. Good morning, Elizabeth. What's your question for us?
5: Good. Oh, good morning. I am learning so much from your program. Good. Thank you. I'm calling about index funds. I don't know what they are. Or how to invest in them?
0: Okay, an index fund, I call it an imitator fund. It is imitating or pretending to be one of these indexes. And earlier we talked about the Dow Jones Industrial Average is an index, the SP 500 is an index, there's one called the Russell 2000 that represents smaller companies, there are indexes that represent um, international economies, all kinds of indexes out there. So you need to figure out what index do do you want to imitate or follow. And it's a good way just to um, follow the overall market. I'm just going to invest in the market. I'm not trying to figure out if um, Facebook is going to be a better purchase than Amazon. I'm going to just invest in something that represents all of these companies. You want to find an index fund that has very low expenses on it, and that's really the key. If they're all following the same set of funds, getting the same return, Returns, then really the difference for you is how much you pay for that. We're using a lot of exchange-traded funds. Many of these have very low expense ratios. Uh, one of the best ones out there for keeping their expense ratios low, if you're doing regular mutual funds, would be the Vanguard 500 index. Very low expense ratio. So you can invest uh, with Vanguard, you can open a brokerage account and invest in one of these exchange-traded funds that tracks an index, but the first thing is to ask yourself, which 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 index do I want to follow? Uh, For instance, Vanguard has one called the Total Stock Market Index. So it's not just um, the 500 big companies. It represents companies of all sizes. Wow, <laughs> a, lot yeah. of, a lot of
2: options. There's a lot there, but uh, long story short, we're a big fan of index funds. Like Nancy said, it's really hard to go out there on the stock market and pick you know your favorite three or ten or a hundred out of five thousand something stocks just in America. Um, and it's 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 still difficult to go out there and find a manager who can go and pick them for you. And that's investing through a mutual fund, where a manager is picking those funds. You have the risk that that manager you know makes bad decisions. You have a risk that he isn't really thinking of you when he's making when he's making those purchases, or that he dies. I saw that happen once. It was wild. Um, and So, what you want to do with an index fund is, you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to buy a lot of stocks in the whole stock market, because over time, the stock market goes up. I don't want to bother with picking individual stocks. I don't want to bother with an individual fund manager. So, that's why we buy index funds, and uh, like she said, Vanguard is a great place to go uh, for individual investors but there's a lot of places they're making it easier and easier for people to do that.
0: All wow, right. y'all. Thanks very much. All
2: right. Absolutely. Thanks for
1: your call, Elizabeth. Let's uh, take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll talk about some of the uh, terms related to uh, money managers or money advisors and what they mean. Still time also to work in your personal finance phone call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap things up after this. Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft. We've been t- demystifying some of the anac- acronyms that you uh, associate with personal finance. And before we TTYL, uh, we've got some more terms to go through. Talk to you later. <coughs> okay. So we mentioned on the LOL. show... Uh, <laughs> no, that should be an L-A-M-O. I'm sorry. Not just an LOL. Uh, okay. Uh, we mentioned a lot of, on the air each week that you both are chartered financial analysts. So let's begin our discussion by kind of saying what that
2: is oh we're looking at me yes here. I'm looking at <clears> you so I too am a chartered financial analyst Nancy and a chartered financial analyst that is done by the uh, CFA Institute which is a global uh, body it's kind of a self-governing body if you will um, they put on this test which is meant to be uh, it's a series of three exams which they're offered uh, once a year except the first one that was offered twice a year and they are making some changes to that um, and you have to have four years of work experience in in, uh investment management and it is really it is geared to be a kind of high level a uh, kind of a master's level uh, body of knowledge around investment management um, they kind of put themselves out as they 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 put themselves as the gold standard of ethics and professionalism in finance um, uh, they've been around for uh, I guess they started with the New York society of financial analysts of course the place with most of the financial analyst type folks in the when was it? 50s? 60s? Um, kind of, uh, birthed out of, um, Benjamin Graham's view, a uh, kind of legendary investor who, who taught uh, Warren Buffett, uh, everybody's favorite folksy capitalist, um, and, and his view was that you know, the, there needed to be more professionalism, more rigor, uh, more s- kind of standardization in the finance industry, and, and this is kind of what has come out of it. Um, so, that is, that is a CFA institute. And uh, Ryder and I are both uh, CFAs. Uh, Joseph, who <laughs> works for us, is working through
0: that. He has passed, passed level 1, level or so one him. He and he has
2: his stack of books for level 2.
0: Every time I pass by him with the books open, I break out into a cold sweat <laughs> thinking I, I don't think I could do it at this advanced age. But yeah.
2: So when is he going to be on the show? I don't know. I, don't know. Hmm. I guess that depends on our producer. <laughs> All right.
1: So obviously, then, CFA, you know that the person is knowledgeable and experienced with financial planning.
2: Right. Uh, there is a body was. of yeah.
0: knowledge and a set of
2: ethical standards that they are to adhere. to. Yeah, by. and they also do have four years of work experience at least, and it is very specific to investment management. So when you're just kind of an individual approaching a CFA charter holder, you're approaching someone who can really, really how that market, how all of the markets interact with your personal uh, finance world. All right. Uh, how about a CFP, a certified financial planner? Uh, certified financial planner, uh, I think we're obligated to note that they are a big sponsor of NPR shows. I don't know if we have to say that or someone has to say that. Um, they are a, a fairly rigorous um, kind of test and work experience process, similar to the CFA, except they are more tailored to towards kind of personal finance issues so uh, they have components on you know do you you know how to analyze if somebody needs life insurance you know what types of accounts are appropriate for different situations they have seven different components it's kind of all about building a financial plan for an individual so that's that's what they're geared towards
0: but with any case you want to um make sure whoever you're approaching to help you with your finances does have credentials and experience
1: yeah all right um RIA, Registered Investment Advisor.
0: We are, um, our company is a Registered Investment Advisor. We are registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and um, that means we are not brokers, and uh, that also means we've always been fiduciaries. It has always been our obligation to put our clients' interest before ours. We work through brokers, and so um, we work through TD Ameritrade, and of course that's going to eventually become Schwab, as those two merge. schwab trade yeah. T.D. Mm.
2: schwab But we have
0: to have a broker <laughs> to actually place right. securities
2: um, and hold on or custody all of those funds and securities. The broker is the one who goes to the NYSE and the NASDAQ and, and does, does those the trading
1: for us. But that's that's fairly, I mean, those are both big big names. Is that a major shakeup? Huge in big names. It is. Oh, it is. Oh, It's a huge big shakeup. Real okay. big. All right. Um CIMA, Certified Investment Management Analyst.
2: Yeah, so I see this designation often with folks who either work for a fund company. Um, it is it is geared towards helping you analyze um Uh, Fund managers um, and understanding how funds are managed. Uh, So you see that you know you know maybe some brokers, maybe some uh, folks like us who manage investments for individuals uh, might want that to help understand those funds better. Uh, CFA Institute has something similar. I I don't know how they compare in rigor, um, but I am a have a CIPM chartered uh, chartered investment performance measurement, which isn't uh, so much geared. You know. In 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 name, is not so much geared towards the manager itself, but how to analyze the performance uh, that a manager or a fund has had. So those are things they're they're very specific on uh, looking at funds in particular.
1: And we should not confuse that with the ZIMA Zima, which I don't think they make anymore anyway. Uh, CPA and PFS, Certified Public Accountant and Personal Financial Specialist.
0: Well, we work with a lot of CPAs. I uh, have great respect. For the CPA industry, um, and uh, they're the ones that give us information about clients' income and statuses, and help us to understand what accounts we can use to mm-hmm. lower their taxes. And uh, so we work closely with them. And I always encourage people when you um, have or, or have a need to
2: for help with your taxes to find a CPA. Uh, that is accounting specific uh, in the PFS. That is kind of uh, further education in the CPA. Field field for folks who work with individuals, so they can kind of help them with a little bit of financial planning as well. All right. I
1: know some of these have the term certified and, and some chartered. Is that a similar...
2: Designation? It's a, it's a similar term. I, I think they are all just kind of terms of art at this point. But if you kind of think historically, a charter was um, a contract, a a commissioning to go do something. You know, you were chartered to go establish a colony in the new world or something. Uh, and we can think of it today. You know, there are charter schools. They are chartered to go establish a school out there. Um, and And so to some extent, a chartered financial analyst, we are. We are sent forth into the world to go analyze finances. But um, when it comes to what the designation is, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of just a choice of language at this point.
1: That's going to wrap us up for today. Just a reminder, uh, we use our email address to send questions. Email is
2: electronic mail. Okay. You're Continue. right about
1: that. I forgot. See, that's so, become so common, we forget that that's also <laughs> a, a, an abbreviation. Anyway, uh, use that during the week if you would. If you have something that you'd like to hear us discuss on Money Talks, or if you have a question, that email address is available to you throughout the week, uh, as well as during the uh, actual broadcast. Okay. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener is Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lutridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next is our 10 a.m. show in legal terms. They're going to discuss why you should put 2020 as the full date on checks or contracts this year. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.
0: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.